1: And with me as always is the star of the show, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion, eight-time former Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champion, and one of the greatest professional wrestling trainers of all time. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you doing today?
0: JP, I am doing tremendous as always today. It's a wonderful day to be alive here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we usually kind of start off the show, and I usually say, and it seems like every week,
1: and it just happens to happen every week, hey, you know, Kofi said something. Hey, Seamus said something. So this week, I'm going through social media. I always type in Tom Pritchard on Twitter. Let's see what's going on. I see Tyson Kidd, a.k.a. TJ Wilson, and Natty Knightheart throwing you a lot of love and kind of saying, you know, we love Dr. Tom. You know, it's such an honor to be trained under you, and you've taught us so much. What was that like you you know every week i feel like somebody's giving you praise i, I and i have to say this i'm so
0: fortunate that they feel that way and i'm i'm grateful they feel that way and i'm so grateful that uh, that they uh <laughs> that they pass it along and, um it do, it does make me feel good i'd be lying if i if i said otherwise so uh i i want to keep the vibe i want to keep that connection going and uh Continue on with the next next generation wherever they may come from. You know, there's only uh, there's there's a few trainers out there. If I can just kind of dwell on this for a minute, there's there's trainers out there like uh, uh, Rudy Gonzalez in San Antonio, Danny Cage at the Monster Factory, Les Thatcher who's here in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Kevin Knight had a had a good place up in New Jersey, Kurt, Kurt Hawkins and Pat Buck have, have run some really cool schools, and those the people that come from there as well uh also uh, will, will compliment those guys and say nice things because because of the way they were treated and because of the way they they were taught. So um if if I can continue that, that streak and continue that uh, the momentum if you will uh, then i'll i'll be happy and i hope that uh more and more people say nice things not just about me but about the good trainers out there. there's some there's some pretty good guys out there and there's some guys i haven't heard of yet that that are probably good but uh time will tell so yeah absolutely and i feel like steve kern
1: was getting some much needed love as well they kind of were pumping up you bolts and he's both taught him so much
0: down there in fcw well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Steve was Steve was a huge part, uh, president of FCW, and yeah, I I I I'm going to go on record and saying I have to agree. I think we did do a good job in FCW, and uh, I I said this not too long ago. I dare you to tell me FCW was not a success because it certainly was on more than one front. I think in turning out uh, good people and also uh, giving them skills. They need and were're able to apply and use in f c w carried over to w w e so yeah steve did steve did a great job too he was uh, he was writing the the foxhole with us, so i agree i
1: don't know how much. Like modern wrestling, you watch as far as like week-to-week, AEW, Raw. Do you watch week-to-week or is it kind of whenever you catch it, NXT, stuff like that?
0: Whenever I catch it, honest to goodness, I I, I didn't realize. I mean, I realized when I was doing it with FCW, but I didn't realize how how much time uh, I wouldn't have. And I I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and watch uh, even an hour sometimes. Some weeks I do, but, but not all the time. Because it seems like nowadays, and it's so much different than
1: when you hear of, of what the trainers are, are teaching these guys, it seems like there's no selling or no stopping point. It's like just almost like a car crash just keeps going and going and then just comes to a stop. I was just curious, is that at all anything that would be trained from any of those trainers where it's just kind of like, guys, no selling, I don't want you know any people losing their... Uh, You know, their train of thought or, you know, just go for it and whatever. Would that ever be taught by any of you guys?
0: No, not at all. Uh, Selling is is the most important part of this business. The basics and fundamentals never go out of style. If you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't have something to build on, you're pretty much going to crumble quickly. Very, very quickly. And that's what's missing today. That, I, I believe a lot of things are missing. But one of the main things is people selling, uh, telling a story, getting in the ring, having a connection, and uh, communicating to the fans. And the problem is um, there are no veterans today who came from that era who are young enough, uh, I feel, to get in the ring and, and teach. You really do. I think the really the real way, the way I learned it, is by getting in the, in the ring with someone night after night who knew a hell of a lot more than me and told me what to do, when to do it, and uh, I was able to do it. And the rule of thumb back when I broke in was you had to be wrestling at least five years working in the ring before anybody would really let you say anything. Or they, they would let you say something, but... But your job was to close your mouth and keep your ears open. Um, I I don't know that that's really a viable option today because we do live in a different world. We do live in a, a place where... It's instant gratification and you've got to keep people's attentions. I believe you must have high spots. I believe there is a a place for flying and flipping and doing all the good stuff and crazy stuff that people enjoy, but you just have to do it the right place. If you don't sell, then it means absolutely nothing. Uh, You have to have people digest it. You have to see, they have to see what you're doing. It's a lost art today. Now, once again, uh, I'm not advocating going out there and and having a 60-minute match like Jack Briscoe and Dory Funk. Although I will argue that Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe could still have a hell of a match uh, in this climate today and get over. Uh, it's it's all educating the the fans, and it's all I, I think it's all body language and uh, emotion and feeling said it before, I'll say it again, I stole it from Kid Rock. Uh, If it looks good, you'll see it. If it sounds good, you'll hear it. If it's marketed right, you will buy it. But if it's real, then you'll feel it. And I don't know if anybody's really feeling it as much as they're looking at uh, the entertainment aspects of what sports entertainment is today. Not that it's wrong or right, it's just a hell of a lot different. And uh, I, I don't know... If it, if I was watching today, I don't know if it would uh, pull me in the same way that I was pulled in when I first started, like, years and years ago.
1: Definitely want to get you your opinion on that, because it's, it's so funny how it's like, I guess they're trying to keep the attention of the viewer, make sure they don't switch to the other channel or something, but it's just crazy, it's like... Probably oh, gonna sell, they're gonna sell no there's no selling. Holy crap. They're not gonna they're not
0: gonna sell that? <laughs> wow, okay. But but that's that's the thing that that why you need a good trainer in my opinion, why you need a good coach, why you need someone who understands the importance and value of selling and what selling is. When to sell, when not to sell, when to register because registering and selling are two different things, but at the same time, it's exactly the same. Just one is a little more intense and one you need to just let them know that you were hit, you're not knocked out, but you need to register. This happened and, and show it on your face, show it with your body language. And, and unfortunately it, it really is a lost art. It's, it's, uh, it's not taught everywhere. I've known, I've seen that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> that it's not taught everywhere. Uh, some guys don't have a clue what you mean by you need to sell here, or we need to we can't do your flip flop and fly here. You don't just shoot the guy in the corner and do a backflip because Rob Van Dam did it. And that's not the case. There is a clip online.
1: It's either Rob Naylor or Chris Elner, two uh, great guys to follow on Twitter. They posted it. I don't know if you were selling or if he was inflicting pain but it was you and buzz sawyer and he launches you out of the ring and just beats the hell out of you but it was
0: i mean you do an awesome job but buzz sawyer seemed like he uh, he might be a little snug well well here's the deal i i actually had forgot about that until i saw it i think it might have been last year i'm not sure and and somebody posted it but then once i saw it i remembered that was a Saturday morning at WTBS on Techwood uh, Techwood Street, WTBS Studios, and uh, uh, Buzz was a wild man. Buzz was what you saw on TV was wasn't that far from who Buzz Sawyer really was. Backstage, on the road, wherever it was, but I got along with Buzz and I liked Buzz and I think he liked me, um, and we talked about it that morning, and I believe it was Oli who said, hey, can you take a press slam um, and get thrown <laughs> from the ring to the, to the announce table? I said, sure. Didn't know if I could or couldn't, but I'm bound and determined. Just say, yeah, sure. And uh, I had already worked with Buzz a couple times in, in spot shows. And, and, I, and, and when you work with someone like that, uh, Buzz was always solid. He was never snug or never stiff with me, but he was solid because that's that's the kind of uh, performer he was. He, you weren't going to see through any of his stuff. And I trusted him. So when he picked me up and, and threw me, uh, there was no way to land except the best way I knew how. And I did. So that was a feeling thing. Uh, I remember that morning, though, feeling pretty good about the bump because I hadn't seen it yet, obviously, but but I could tell by the reaction of the studio, that it was one of those, like, oh, my God, did that just happen? And it did. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's one of those, those things that you just have to sometimes uh, <laughs> you're not sure if you can until you do it. And that was one of those times. And I was bound and determined to do it great stuff. I mean, it looks unbelievable, but
1: got to get back on topic. Kind of went off on a tangent there to start show, which I love, but getting on topic because today I want to talk about kind of a forgotten role. We've talked about it before on the show, but not really in depth. Like I want to talk to about it today. And that is becoming Dr. X and where that all came from. And, and the great gimmick of Dr. X that a lot of people may have not known it was Dr. Tom. So when you're becoming that Dr. X character, and obviously, you know, it's going to start against Brackis. What is the, the the thought process? Like, okay, I don't want Dr. Tom getting beat on TV. Like, how do you become Dr.
0: X? Um, well, that's that's an interesting question. Because uh, I knew at that time what my job description was. And, and I had moved into now... A trainer coach role and it was a new role for me but I understood the role um, I felt I understood the role let me say that and I, the proposition was you'll go on the road uh, put the mask on and work as Dr. X okay but you, you, you uh, my where, where I got a little crossed up I'll never forget this because when I worked with rock as Dr. X uh, it it could have been a hell of a lot better match, I feel, if I would have just gone out there and worked, but but I didn't. I was trying to work as Dr. X, and I didn't know how Dr. X should work, except I'm going to put this guy over and to the best of my ability. Dr. Tom can go out and work as Dr. Tom and still put somebody over. Um, and I was good with that. But now I'm hidden, and my facials uh, are are hidden behind the mask and my body language now has to tell the story. So uh, pretty much my my idea was to go out and uh, make these guys shine. And uh, I, I remember what I was going to say about Rock was Jake was our agent. Jake Roberts was our agent that night because he came back and, and Rock and I both looked at each other and, and said something was off in that match. And it was. And Jake says, that's because – you weren't working as Tom, and you weren't being Dwayne. Well, at that time, Dwayne wasn't sure how Dwayne was was supposed to work, obviously. And I knew, you know, I'd been working by about sixteen years at that time. I knew what to do to get somebody over, uh, but I just wasn't. Uh, I guess I wasn't feeling it yet as Doctor X because I I didn't think that was going to be a big career move. I was I was happy to be out of the ring and in the in the uh, uh, in the studio. In the dojo, so to speak, so all that all it really came down to was uh, making sure that the guy I was working with was comfortable, and the guys I was working with were Brockus, rock, and Mark Henry, and later on it became whoever else was in the, I was in the ring with but uh so the transformation wasn't wasn't seamless um but at the same time, it wasn't anything I really put a whole lot of uh, thought into. I just went out there and did did what I thought I should do. So there there was a couple nights I remember I worked as Dr. X in the first match and had to come back and work a tag match without the mask too. I had two pairs of trunks and one pair of boots, and it was kind of obvious. But but that's just that's the way uh, things kind of fell. And so again, it was it was always my intention to uh, go out and make whoever I was working with uh, look as great as I can make them look.
1: Who comes up with the idea, the Dr. X
0: idea? Uh, I, I, honest to goodness, I'm not sure where the original idea came from. I think it was just a deal that we were going to go on the road and make When I got there, it was Dr. X. uh, Trust me, it was not one of those thought-out ideas saying, and we'll make you Dr. X and we have great plans for you, kid. I knew what the plans were for me from the beginning. So I was cool with that. Um, When I got to the the show, it was Dr. X. And I saw it on the card in the back. And I, (laughs) I saw who I was working with, and I figured, all right, I must be Dr. X tonight. And that's how well. That's kind of how it came out. When they say you know they want you to be Doctor
1: X, why not just be Doctor Tom and kind of put the um, guys over?
0: Why I think because I had been there in the Heavenly Bodies, I had been there in Body Donnas, and I think they were just looking to kind of uh, get get away from that. My my only uh, summation. I don't. No one's ever actually ever told me. We never really discussed it. It's it was one of those things that I think. Um, Okay, what? Why? Why now? I had done. I had done some stuff as um, Doctor Tom, but I think at this time uh, they probably felt it was better to just have this faceless, nameless, but still dangerous and mysterious Doctor X. That's, you know, some things are. Uh, sometimes uh, a toad is just a toad until. You go to the rainforest and need it for another uh, function. And that that makes no sense whatsoever, but I've been listening to some Joe Rogan podcasts lately, and if you know know anything about that. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um,
1: Not to say uh, on Rogan, I'll I'll go away from him, but um, crazy to think, but wouldn't it be good for The Rock or Brackis or Mark Henry to beat Doctor Tom Pritchard. You know what I mean? Like to help them elevate them, or sure. that not even a thought.
0: I don't even think that was a thought. I think that was just a, a way to get them in there and and um, get some experience. I, I really don't think that was even a thought. And I, I quite honestly, I, I've been beaten like a drum uh, prior to that. So maybe that was the other thing too. I, I honestly, I don't know, or it could have just been let's keep it fresh, or let's just have a different name on the card. Uh, a lot of times there There was no necessary rhyme or reason that that I knew about, but I'm sure for somebody else they they felt it might have meant something else and they 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 might have thought, well, let's just protect Tom, I doubt that but i'll I'll go ahead and throw that out there uh let's let's not do um zip or let's not do tom let's do dr x he's a he's a new guy he's a new guy under a mask could be it hmm. Yeah. Possibly,
1: yeah, possibly. Right. Now, like we're we're saying, like you know, basically they're hiding your identity. Did a lot of the fans know you were saying kind of before? Like they knew it was me. Did it was it? You know, did you think it was so obvious? Like that the
0: fans were like, "Come on, like that's not him." You know, well, they not would. Yeah, they would yell my name. They would, hey, Doctor Tom. I come out as Doctor X. Yeah, on the house shows, of course they would. I mean, the the ones who knew knew, and and you had your smart Alex and. uh uh, especially in the Northeast who who would call my name out. And yeah, it was, it was obvious, but uh, <laughs> once again, uh, sometimes sometimes it just happens that way. And there's no other explanation except this is the way it is. Did you ever say anything like, you know
1: what? I'm just gonna be Dr. Tom tonight, or hey, maybe we should go back, Dr. Tom, or that never even was like a thought, like whatever. today, no. I'm gonna to do
0: it. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't even a thought. It was just like, uh, all right, because honest to goodness, man, at at that time, um, I I was really okay just doing the training, because when you when you get to the arena and you have to do a match, there's just getting prepared to go out there and and at that at that time. Uh, it was I I I really put thought into wanting to have a good match with everybody I went out and worked with, of, of all the guys I was training. And that that was a lot of pressure, I think, from I, I know for me anyway. Uh because I wasn't for instance with, with Occam, I, my gosh, it was it was a challenge. With Mark it was a bit of a challenge too, but But I knew what I was getting into. With The Rock, uh, you knew, I knew, uh, that he was getting ready to uh, take off. So, um, no, I I just think that uh, I was was okay with, with just doing the training in the studio. And if you needed me, fine. And if you didn't, that's fine, too. Because getting there, having to get dressed... Uh, and then do whatever else was needed to be done after the match, critique and go over the match. Okay, it's a little easier if I'm watching the match and then I tell you what I see. But if I'm in the match, then I've got to really th- go back and think about it. And I, I could tell you, or I could tell these guys, look, uh, you leaned on me here, I couldn't move you, or you, here, here's what I felt were in the ring. Then I'd have to go back and watch it. But if I can stand them back and watch the match, I get a little a better perspective. I think this is a crazy
1: question. Would you get a double paycheck?
0: Cause wow. you're a trainer
1: and you're a wrestler.
0: I believe I did actually. I did get paid for the house shows. I sure did. Yeah. So, I mean, that was good. That that was yeah. very good. I, awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't have any complaints about that time I was training him. I just, if I had my preference, um, you know, it, it would have been, an, uh, <laughs> would have, I would have been happy training the guys in uh, uh, at studio and then then watching the matches on the road or watching when they came back. You know, and it's still to this day, um, and I just wrestled the other night. I got, I, I had a ma- had a match a six man tag the other night at Tracy Smothers' uh, benefit show because somebody couldn't show up, and I. Went ahead and brought my gear. I, I'm, uh, I'm at that, at that stage where once again I don't want to get hurt, but I went ahead and brought my gear and did the match. And and the guys were trying to protect me in the match. When finally I just said, "Look, I don't mind being in the match. That's not it. I just want to be able to do what I want to do." And that's that's the uh, position I take now. I, I'm, I want to be able to. Uh, do things that aren't going to hurt, and aren't going to hurt the match. Aren't, I don't want to go out and just embarrass myself. So um, I know what I can do and what I can't do right now. So that's that's kind of the deal. And it was like that back then. Uh, I, ha- I had to do take the guy's finishes. I had to take Rock's finish, uh, Mark's finish, Occam's finish. Even uh, I think I worked with Silva a couple times, the Giant Silva. And he, uh, I had, to, I had to have their trust that I wasn't going to go out there and, and try and, uh, showboat for me because that's not what it was about. It's about them now. And, uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it, it was a fun time. Don't get me wrong, I had a fun time. Uh, but I think the reason why it was Dr. X was to, Make it somebody new because I'd been there since ninety three and three years gone by. And why do they need somebody who'd been there for a while and go out and beat him? Want they beat somebody different, even though they all knew it was me? And I could be way off base, but that's just what I think. And you did work Giant <laughs> Silva a few times.
1: What was it like working with him? I mean, he has some experience briefly, and obviously, you know, he'd have uh, a little bit of a run in the WWF. With the oddities and um, a little bit of an MMA run as well,
0: but well, what were your thoughts on Giant Silva? I I actually liked him. Uh, he was a good guy, and he had been trained by Larry Sharp, and uh, I had known Larry casually, not really um, known him, known him, but 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 he was a casual acquaintance, and uh, <clears throat> you know Larry was like a lot of the older guys at that time who. May or may not have signed contracts with guys that that guaranteed, once they started wrestling with a major company, that he would get a percentage um, of their earnings, uh, which I don't certainly don't agree with, but I'm not the one who's making the deal. So uh, when he came from Larry, he was um, very very inexperienced green and I think he was on his guard because he didn't know what to expect from, from me. Or I I don't know what he expected from WWE as a company either, but I liked him. He, he was a nice guy. Uh, I never had any problems with him in the ring and he, and I made it clear to him before we worked that I am there to make him look good. And just relax. I'm not going to do anything to make him look stupid. Just if he would just listen to me, we, I promise you, you'll be okay. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you don't get it. Just say, I don't get it, and we'll stay there where we're at. And you'll grab me in a hold, and I'll repeat it. And if you still don't get it, I'll do something else. So I had to, I had to make sure I had his trust. And, uh, I, I think I did when we went out there. So he, but again, you know, everybody has that, uh, uh, that learning ability and that learning curve they have to go through. And, uh, giant Silva, you know, he, he, he spoke English and sometimes not very good. And, uh, yeah, he, as part of the oddities, he, you know, he had a spot in the company, but Once again, I I think it was up to him to pursue it even further. Um, And I think sometimes you go through that process, and it's not always what what it's cracked up to be. Definitely.
1: Now, do you think being Doctor X? I mean, I think we've touched on a little bit before, but is this basically like on-the-job training, where you're taking the things from the studio, from the training? And you're really doing in the ring almost as if you're back in the studio, so it's on the job training?
0: By all means. And again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier when you had veterans go in there with a the young guy. Uh, when, when I first started, and I first started October 20th, 1979, so we didn't have wrestling schools pretty much on every corner or advertise them like, like it's done now. So it was on-the-job training. You get in the ring with a veteran who's pretty much in the twilight of his career or winding up his time in a territory, Uh, and a promoter would would put the young guy, uh, a new prospect in, uh, with his veteran for a couple weeks or a couple months, whatever it may be, alternate it back and forth with maybe a young guy and a young guy. You know, that was always fun to watch, two guys who didn't know what the hell they were doing. But yeah, it, it it was on the job training, and it and it was on the job training when I worked with the guys, and I understood that, and that was um, the that was what I understood the best, and that's what I was uh, I felt comfortable doing because I knew from being on both sides of the fences, a babyface and a heel, what needed to be done. Uh, there was a match with Brian Christopher, not for WWE, but this is pretty much uh, my my last go-around in, in the Memphis territory in the, gosh, early 90s. And Brian Christopher had just started, and for some reason, he didn't have... He, being 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 the son of the of a legendary figure like Jerry Lawler just it, it's never easy for for second generation guys or or a lot of times it's not easy for second generation guys and Brian rubbed people the wrong way but that was Brian being insecure and thinking that's how he had to um conduct himself and be this cocky kid and I'll never forget this because it was in Louisville, Kentucky on a Tuesday night, my first match with him. And someone had come up to me and said, don't give that son of a bitch a thing. Eat him up. I thought, well, that's not any way to be, and not <laughs> not a way to have a match, that's for sure. So I went to Brian, and I knew that he, he was having problems. I knew that nobody really liked him. And I went to him, and I pulled him off in a corner in Louisville and said, hey, Listen, nobody likes you. Nobody wants to work with you. But do this for me tonight. If you listen to me, I promise you, I'm not going to do anything to eat you up. I promise you I'm not going to do anything to make you look bad. If you just listen to me, we'll have a hell of a match. Just trust me tonight, please. And he looked at me, gave me that look that I can't believe nobody likes me. And I've never heard that before. He didn't say that, but I I could read it in his eyes. He was shocked that I came and talked to him like this. But to his credit, he went out there, and he relaxed, and we had a great match. And from then on, we had a program, we worked a program, and he understood that I was going out there to, to try and help him and help the match. Uh, so that's um, that, that was my thought process uh, when I started training the guys and working with them on the road. That was the thought process of a lot of – some of the veterans anyway back when i first started not all of them felt that way a lot of them would would I've, I've been stretched a few times and okay i took it understood it but i just never saw that as a way of helping not just the guy you're in the ring with but helping the match or helping the business so i i i have a different outlook on that i i, I just feel that um uh, On-the-job training is the best way to do it if you have somebody who is looking out for your best interest, and they're they're looking out for their best interest too. Because if I go out there and have a great match with you and you know absolutely nothing, well, who's responsible for that? Me. You. You, you too, if you listened and you followed. But uh, I always took pride in the fact of taking someone who didn't know anything and telling them, listen please trust me and we'll have a good match. And then it works out that way. I've also done the other, other way too. It's, I've, I've had people go out there and we stunk the joint out, but, but <laughs> that's, that's just the way it always goes. And no matter what uh, form of entertainment or sports entertainment you want to talk about, you're not always going to have a perfect match, but uh, you can have a pretty damn good match if uh, everybody's on the same page and working for the match.
1: So when you first start working as Dr. X and really was Brackis, House Shows and then uh, In Your House It's Time, Dark Match, is Brackis kind of not like the test dummy for it, but is he like the guy where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to start with him. He's a big pet project. Then we're going to move on or was kind of Brackis the only thought process for Dr. X at that point?
0: No, I I was uh, I had already worked some matches with uh, Dwayne and Mark, and Brockus was about. I think Brockus was the third in line that that came with my Doctor X appearances, and uh, you know once again I loved Brockus. He he was a great guy, fun to travel with and and fun to be around. But um, <laughs> have have you ever trained to wrestle?
1: Have you ever been in the
0: ring? Yes, I have. I have. Okay. Okay. Did it come easy for you? Mm, Some of it, yes, and some of it, no. All of us go through that. Some of it, yes, some of it, no. But some of us grasp it after a certain amount of time. Right. Some of us have been wrestling fans our whole life. But if you've never watched wrestling and you've never really grasped the concept. Now you're a 30 something year old man who has been a star in, in the bodybuilding world and has been thought of as a, a top tier star um, on muscle Mag- <laughs> magazine covers and things like this. I remember we would go, go to gyms where Brockus is on the cover of the magazines when we walk in and they just go nuts over it. But now you're entering a whole different realm. And you're not sure um, what to do, how to do it, what the name of the holds are, what the name of the moves are, how to take two steps back, why to give me distance, why to close the gap, how to take your time. I'm talking the whole time I'm in there with him. And I was doing it with with most of the guys like that, but but Mark had been a fan his whole life and and The Rock had, had... grown up in the business. So Rockus was was at this time uh the only one who really never watched wrestling and never really um understood the appeal. And now he's trying to uh trying to grasp it. And I'm I'm telling him these things in the ring and he's nervous and I uh, I remember him wanting to talk to me all the way up until the time we had to go to the ring. What are we doing? What are we doing? And I had to lay out the whole match. It was only an eight-minute match, but but you're laying it out. And I'm trying to tell him, just relax. I'll call it to you out there. I promise, I promise, I promise. But he would get so excited. And I, I remember, uh, I believe it was the first night when uh, I, I came off the ropes and he gave me one clothesline, knocked me into next week, and then he was supposed to hit me uh, with three more clotheslines, I think, or two more clotheslines, whatever it was. I just remember I came off the ropes, he hit me with the clothesline, I fed up, he hit me again and again, and when I rolled out the ring, my head was ringing. It was one of those things where I knew he had just killed me. I mean, he rang my bell, but we had another six minutes to go, I guess. And went in and we did it to the best of our ability. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a great business to be able to create in if you just relax and have fun with it. And that was the thing. I think, uh, Brock has really never learned how to relax. He went to Bret Hart after he spent, I think maybe six months with us here and then Brett had him ring um, up at his house and spent some time with Brett and had some matches up around there. But uh, just never really, I don't think it was ever his thing. So, great guy, though. Very interesting guy, just because he looks like the prototypical
1: guy he said bodybuilder. He just seems like the prototypical guy Vince could love,
0: right? He did, and, and he, was. he was. Vince did love him. He and and he loved me. A great attitude. He really, really did. He adapted on the road as far as that lifestyle is. But you still have to perform in the ring. There's all these uh, elements that have to be tied together. You 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 do have to learn how to work backstage. Backstage, yes, yes, yes. And what we do in the ring is just a ministerial sp- part of that, yes, but it's still a part of it. <laughs> and and even though it may be 10%, that, that's a huge 10% of what we do and and what you have to understand. And uh, there is a method to the madness. There's a method to, and, and a um, a recipe for what we do. Does it change? Yes. And you have to know how to change. Do you do do everything you say you're going to do in the back? No, of course not. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. But you have to know how to adapt. You have to know how to react. And uh, that's something I did to the best of my ability. But at the same time, if I tell you to grab my arm, you still have to grab my arm without killing me so I don't. Uh, so I'm not tied up in there and can't do anything else with you. And I think Brockus was just very nervous and he wanted to make sure everything he did looked solid, and it was. But it's one of those things that that's not what this is all about. It's 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 hard to explain to someone who's never really felt it and seen it uh for any length of time. Coming be coming into it later on in life. Uh, was was a little challenging for him too, though I think.
1: There's probably no backyard wrestling or anything, you
0: know, like that for him. I can probably guarantee that. <laughs> no, no, he, he like I said, he he was at the top level of bodybuilding, and yes. we would walk yep. in gyms where he would be on the cover of not just one magazine, but but I, we walked in one time. He, there there were three magazines. Uh, at the counter, uh, where we walked in. I'll never forget this because the guy was just freaked out when we walked in. He recognized him immediately. I mean this was Occam was one of the top guys back then and he recognized him. It was like incredible. And of course and Occam took it all in stride. He he was he was that kind of guy too. Very humble. Um, had every right to be not humble. But but he was he was extremely humble and um, he, he would talk to everyone there even though we we're trying to get a workout they let us work out and then afterwards he signed autograph for the guys he gave us shirts uh, so yeah he no backyard wrestling for him <laughs> and and the WWE was just uh, another um, company that that he was another business that he was going to go into you know and uh, uh, we saw what happened. There's a tag match that you work
1: with T.L. Hopper, who obviously you know very, very well nowadays, and you teamed against Furnace and LaFon. That's one of those things where it's like, okay, um, they're awesome. Awesome tag team. They need no help they just throwing you in there because they needed somebody veteran for them to wrestle? I I think it was
0: at that time uh, we were pretty much done with whatever they're going to do with us. And we were already still under contract. And uh, (laughs) I think like we talked last week, um, you know, we were in between eras. We were in between, you know, the next generation, next up was going to be the attitude era. And uh, I, I, I believed it was yeah. Instead of using uh, other guys, you're just going to put <laughs> the random guys together, like O.T.L. Hopper and I think was I Doctor X in that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, there you go. T.L. Hopper and Doctor X. So I'm a new character, a new persona, which meant probably about as much as the old personas. But uh, yeah, and Furnace and Lafont and Doug Furnace was another guy who. Um, made his name in Japan, which is a whole different ball ball game altogether, I guess. Um, you know, Doug Doug could do some good stuff, but you know, Japan at that time was was a totally different animal too than it is today. They were looking for more. It was it was a stiffer, more competitive, uh, realism uh, based gimmick back then, and Furnace was one of those guys, a power lifter. I knew Doug from Knoxville when he first started out, and, uh, you know, Doug could be uh, a difficult guy at times because he wanted to be no-nonsense, and, boy, I, I I remember pissing him off a couple times because I'd want to joke with him, and he would not in any mood to joke, which made it even more fun because when the more you piss him off, the more... Uh, the crazier you'd make him, then you go out in the ring and want to kill you, which wasn't always the best thing to do, but it was, uh, uh, it was something to do anyway. But, you know, he, he never, he never could translate the entertainment side of wrestling. He was athletic as hell. And, uh, and he could be, he could be a great guy, but I think he was more worried about, uh, the athletic part and looking serious and, you are know, not going to make a fool out of me type thing. And, uh, you know, of course, T.L. Hopper and Dr. X, what else could we do but make a fool out of you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. hmm so. is so
1: interesting. I mean, Furnace and LaFond, a.k.a. Furnace and Crawford, great team as far as wrestling ability. Maybe didn't translate that great into WBF as good as they were in Japan. And I think that's kind of one of those deals. <laughs>
0: Yeah, most definitely because Japan was uh the, the the harder you hit them, they they just hit you back. And uh you know, I I I don't know how many tours I actually did in Japan. I think 5, 6 maybe. But every time we went over there, um I I never looked at it as, oh, here we go. It's going to be 3 weeks or 4 weeks of uh snug stiff matches. No, no, no. It was it was pretty uh pretty cool. I mean, it was it was intense at times, and I worked with Stan Hansen in a tag match over there. And I, I'd never worked with Stan, but especially in Japan. But everybody talks about how stiff Stan Hansen is, or was. Stan was a professional. He he knew uh, how to lay it in, and and I've had stuff laid in before. He laid it in in safe places, and that was great. I took his lariat. I, mean, I took his lariat in Japan, and I've taken. Uh, Doug Furness's lariat in the States. And the difference is Stan laid it in. Yes, but he never hurt me. I, it was a, I thought a decent match. I I didn't. Anyway, it was, uh, Furness had his way and Stan had his way. And that's why Stan was on top because Stan understood how to communicate and, and, uh, get himself over to where people actually, uh, got into it. He was that big mean cowboy and uh, he was a cowboy and, and Furnace was a power lifter and Furnace came across as a serious guy, a serious power lifter, and strongest man in the world at, at one time, I guess. But um, you know, it didn't translate in WWE. Hanson was great. I heard that uh,
1: he couldn't see that well either, which also kind of led to some maybe sniffness or snugness, but he wanted to lay it in because if if you can't see the guy and you're kind of whiffing, it just doesn't look good.
0: No, it doesn't look good, and 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 that was uh, again a Stan's credit. I've seen the the match where he knocks Vader's eye out. Okay, well that's two big bulls going at it, and and and, and two big top bulls going at it in Japan. Um, I I went in and and took whatever he had. He didn't kill me, thank God, and that's that's the key to being a pro uh making your stuff look real and making your your stuff look authentic and laying it in without killing the guy that's that's the art form to this and uh the only guys who should know what it feels like is is you and your opponent and everybody else needs to wonder and speculate so
1: so i'm just thinking of not just Doctor X, but zip the body down. And just thinking of that era of WBF and like the bad gimmicks. Is T L Hopper up there as one of the worst gimmicks you could think of uh, in that point
0: of time? Ah, uh, probably. Um, there was some. Well, that in the dumpster. Um, you know, I mean, Freddie, Freddie Joe Floyd uh, would have been would have been okay if they would have allowed him to be who who he, who he is, and uh, I think Bill Irwin as the goon wasn't necessarily the greatest gimmick or greatest persona, but uh, again, it was all up to the people who were given those gimmicks or given these opportunities to say, yes, I'm going to make this work, or I'm going to change it, and I think at that time, I could be wrong, but I know for myself, I just uh, uh, didn't want to make waves. And you, you, you've got to make waves if you're going to be successful. You, you can't be complacent. You can't be just happy to be there. And I, I've learned that through the years. Uh, could I have applied it? Sure. Did I? No. So, yeah, T.L. Hopper was not <laughs> – it was what it was. But he was actually um, a real plumber. I mean, he and his dad was a plumber, so that's where it came from. It, it was who he was, but you know, it was up to him to make it or change it. And they later did change it to uh, to Uncle uh, Zebakat, Uncle whatever they called him, manager of the Godwins, Uncle somebody. I don't remember what I don't remember what the name was now, and you probably don't remember him managing the Godwins, do you? Wasn't he like um, Uncle Fester or Uncle Cletus or something Fet-Cletus, like that? Cletus, Cletus, that's it, Cletus. It was Uncle Cletus, yes. So, you know, and, and again, he, he, he's from Knoxville. And uh, I remember him telling me the story that he told the head writer at that time uh, that he wanted to wear the overalls. And the head writer at that time uh, said, nobody wears overalls anymore. <laughs> and uh, Uncle Cletus Took exception to that And mm. said you come on down to the south And I'll show you overalls all day long And he's right, I live in Knoxville now And places I go You do see People still wearing overalls to this day You know, so uh, But it, once again it has to translate On a, on a global scale You can't, can't Just section yourself off anymore
1: Yeah, Uncle Cletus That's right, I mean, they're very, very kind of short and forgotten about run. I mean, it right. It didn't happen uh, very
0: long. No, it didn't, but but again, that that was uh that was up to him to to make it uh, last. Now are you still close with uh the dirty white boy, T.L. Hopper? Oh, once in a while I see him, but uh he does his thing, I do mine these days, so we we we're kind of busy. I'm kind of busy and I'm not I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he has going on, but um, that happens. Yes.
1: Now, another guy, just to throw out another random guy you worked with that we didn't mention yet. I mean, we mentioned F- Furnace Lafon, We mentioned Giant Silva, The Rock, Brackets, Mark Henry. What about Darren Draws?
0: Draws? Droz. Oh, yes. Draws was uh, another guy who came in uh, from the football world. He got it. He understood it. And he had the great He had – the right attitude about what this business is um, it, it's about perception it's about presentation and draws was a guy who actually played ball and would throw up um, right right before the ball snapped or uh, i I saw we, we watched a couple uh, parts of the game where he, he threw up on the field, and, and it's like, oh, my gosh, if you can do that on command, and that was Vince's deal, if he could do that on command, that would be great. Uh, but he, he had the size, he had the attitude, and uh, he had everything it took to be a star. And the, the Warriors loved him, the road Warriors loved him, and he he fit in perfectly with that crew. So it's, it's it's a tragedy and it really is a shame uh, with what happened. Yeah, the match with D-Lo. crazy. Yeah.
1: He still gets out there once in a while and does autograph signing, which is kind of surprising.
0: But I mean, it's good for him still able to make some money off the wrestling business. Well, that too, and I I would hope that he's he's still being paid. I mean, that that was a life changing experience. Oh, I, mean, I, would, I, I would, I would hope so. My God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, th- I don't know, so I don't even want to say.
1: Now, as far as Doctor X, it kind of all-encompassing. You think it worked like the gimmick of what it was set out to do? For what it was set up to do, of course.
0: It was never. It was never. <laughs> it was never set up to be a, a gimmick to get over it was just set up to be a placeholder and get out there and get somebody else over and i was fine with that i understood that i i accepted that role i i enjoyed the role i i enjoy the role to this day uh helping get guys over if they would if uh, my my take on it is i had people help me And I have people not help me, but uh, I had people help me, and I knew how I felt about that. And I I knew how I felt about the other guys, too, who didn't. So I'd rather be the guy who would help you and give you my thoughts, my advice, and uh, my interpretation of the match, see if it works, see if it doesn't, see what did work, see what didn't, Uh, see what could change or keep in the match or keeping your repertoire. So, yeah, I think that's what Dr. X was set up to do was to give these guys a chance to work with uh, an experienced guy, someone who'd been in different territories, someone who wasn't out to just take care of himself. I wasn't out to uh, grab any glory. I was out there to uh, have, uh, have a match and talk you through it, lead you through it, and then come back and tell you what we could have done differently. And for that, intent and purpose, um, I think it worked.
1: Was this gimmick at all an homage or anything to Dick Byer, the Destroyer, who also played Dr. X? Was that at any point
0: uh, like a thought? Um it was, I, I don't think so. I don't think the Destroyer or Dick Byers even uh, entered into it on, on anybody else's end. But I have a t-shirt at uh, the mm-hmm. com that has Dr. Yes. X that was exactly uh, like the Destroyer, Dick Byers, when he came out with his shirt. So that was, was definitely an homage to uh, Dick Byer because I thought that, that shirt was always cool. Yeah, and and oh, awesome. and because I was Doctor X, I thought I had a right to do it too. How about that? I totally totally agree.
1: Sure. What was the the first time you played Doctor X? Because I was looking it up, and it says this could be completely wrong too, because you never know. It was saying that it was like the '80s that you played Doctor X at, at one point. Is that actually true or not true at all? Um, in, I don't in, in CCW in Continental.
0: Oh oh, oh. <laughs> that was yeah that was a um uh a gimmick we did with the loser leave town um with Johnny Johnny Tommy uh gosh Johnny and Tommy Rich against Robert and Jimmy oh uh, it was a 6 man i think Robert Jimmy Robert Fuller, Jimmy golden and myself against Johnny and Tommy Rich, and somebody else um, and the loser of the fall I had to leave, I think, and I came back the next week as Dr. X under the hood, and uh I remember we were out on the interview set with Gordon Soly, and I talked, and Kevin Sullivan came back and says, "Oh my gosh." I wouldn't have done it where you talked because it just kind of gave everything away. Even though they knew it was me, just don't, don't do that. Don't be so blatant with that. Um, but so, yeah, it could have been with uh continental. That was, that was the only other time I remember doing it. Then we beat Johnny Rich and he came back as the medic under the mask. So, yeah, but that, that wasn't a long-term deal. I think that was maybe a couple of weeks or something. And we got out of it somehow. And I don't remember how we did that. Did you ever do the gimmick
1: afterwards, like in in another independent league, maybe like years ago?
0: No, I don't believe I did. Um, Although that could be wrong, but I I don't remember doing it anywhere else except WWE and uh, Continental. Because I read online, I mean, this could be wrong, or it could
1: be somebody else playing the gimmick. It's saying AAW about ten years ago. Um, which is a league, I believe, out of Chicago. So I was looking it up, and I couldn't find clarification that it was actually
0: you, but somebody was
1: Dr. X at that time. Yeah,
0: no, I don't think that was – I don't believe that was me.
1: Now, as far as Dr. X and and that gimmick and and just thinking back, I mean, it did what it's supposed to do. It accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. And we kind of mentioned it before. Do you think, though, like with a guy like The Rock that may need – um, you know, maybe to beat a name or something. Do you think it would have been better off? And, and Jake, who was the agent of that match, do you think it would have been better off if you just were you know, Dr. Tom, just for maybe just that night and, and, May- and got him over?
0: Yeah, maybe so. I, I do. I think so. Because once you, or once I, let me speak for myself. Once I put the mask on, uh, I, I became somebody else. And as crazy as that sounds, but you, you, when you wear a mask, your peripheral vision is limited, and it's tight on your face. Uh, I know I, I used to wet it, in the, wet it with water, stretch, and be a lot better. But still, uh, it's, you still have something on your face. I never really worked a whole lot or, or extensively under a mask. So maybe going out there as Dr. Tom. Uh, I could have I could have been me a little more. Um, we'll never know, obviously. But yeah, I mean, sure, it, it would have been different. I wouldn't have minded one bit. But once again, you know, once you've been beat like a drum, and and people, I, hell, I don't know. I, I'm trying to make excuses here, but I really don't know the 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 reason that uh, whoever came up with it came up with it. But but it worked out the way it did.
1: As far as wearing the mask and stuff, I mean, obviously you could breathe through and stuff, but mentally, does it, like, weigh on you at all? Like, oh, this is, like, you're saying you got to put water on and make it stretch a little bit. Is there, like, a mental, like, psychology thing where, you're like, all right, it's harder to breathe, it's harder to do this, I can't do facials, I can't do that? Did it hold you back?
0: I don't know if it held me back, uh, uh, it, right, right up front. I, maybe, uh, in the back of my mind, I don't. I, I really didn't look at it like that, but I did look at it as it, it made me a different guy when I went to the ring because now you're wearing a mask, and how do you move, and what do you sell, how do you how do you register with your body? So I don't know that it held me back. I just know that it made me think differently. I guess is the best way to describe it because now I'm not Doctor Tom. I'm Doctor X, and uh, even though the people knew, I'm still trying to. Incorporate who I, how I think Doctor X should move, what I think Doctor X should do, and um, yeah. I, I, I did, like they say, I did the best I could with what I had. Is it harder to play Doctor
1: X because you're thinking of I got to have a different move set, I got to do this differently, I got to do that differently?
0: Is it actually harder in a sense? Uh, in a sense, I think it was just, I don't know if it was hard or it was certainly different. And it, I, I don't know that it should have been, but at that time it, it felt different and I wasn't working the way I, I guess I would normally work, but I, I don't, I can't really speak to the fact that it was harder. Um, yeah, once again, you know, when you change change of persona, so to speak, whether it's face paint or wearing a mask or just a different outfit, um, you, I guess psychologically and in the back of your mind, you do think, how, how can I do this differently than what I already am or what I've already done? So in that sense, maybe, uh, but I can't say for sure that, that, <laughs> that that's true.
1: Now, we could finish up with Dr. X, and I kind of want to know what's been going on in the world of JPWA.
0: The JPWA, we have had uh, some very interesting sessions since uh, January. We're now in February, obviously, and uh, we're going to be going through April for this session. But um, we have had some interesting visitors that I can't really talk about right now, but it'll be clear soon enough. And we've had some uh, um, inquiries, so to speak, uh, for the next session, for people to come in who are looking to get ready to, uh, to venture out, if you will. In other words, we have some experienced guys, again, who I really can't mention right now, call and uh want to come in and get ready for their next venture and that's that's exciting for us uh we've been uh plugging along and I think by summer we're going to have some new things to offer people ask me all the time uh do you have referee training? Do you have manager training? Well, right now we don't because to be a good referee, and be a great referee these days, takes a lot of work. To be a manager is even more rare, except on the independents, and we can go over that. But it it just it takes time. And um, with the guys I have now, it's it it is me training. I, I do all the classes. And uh, as I said, Glenn will stop by, but this is pretty much 90%. uh, Well, more than that, Glenn will stop by more than that. I'm just saying uh, the majority of the training is me and I'm there every day. So uh, to train referees, I have to, I have to have a curriculum and I have to have a, uh, a set to do it. And, uh, I I don't want to have someone come in and say yes I want to be a referee and they they spend four hours a night with us and then all of a sudden they figure out oh wait a minute it's it's not what I thought it was so but but by the summertime I'm looking to offer referee and manager training right now I I, I don't know how many emails I got last month but there was I think uh, eleven last ones I counted. And I had to tell each one of them, at at this time, we are not offering referee training. But by the summertime, uh, pretty good chance we will. Same way with managers. So we've we've had some um, visitors, and we've had some inquiries, and uh, we're going strong. And I think spring session starts in April. I don't have the page in front of me right now, but if you go to jpwrestlingacademy.com, which I will do at this time, it'll tell you. So we're we are right on target for 2020, and uh, things are looking good. And if you go, nice. if you go, by the way, if you go to jpwrestlingacademy.com, the first thing that pops up is talking, taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard. So we do have a fantasy Perfect. camp. Yeah, we do have a fantasy camp coming up February 22nd uh, if this plays before or after. But the spring session begins April 6th and goes through June 26th. So, uh, by the summertime, we, we will probably be announcing some new, uh, new additions to training. Love it. Also, JPWA has a store on Pro Wrestling
1: Tees, and like you mentioned before, so does Dr. Tom. I love the Wanted Dead or live shirt, but get the Dr. X shirt as well. A you know, great, uh, topic today. And then an even better shirt.
0: I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think it comes in green and, uh, red, the black shirt with a green mask and black shirt with a red mask with Dr. X on it. So check it out. It's Very, very cool. Also go to Patreon
1: where a JPWA has a great page with videos, training tips, you name it, check out Patreon, JPWA. Also, check us out on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and you can check out Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Our website is tmptempire.com, and of course, like he just said, his website is com. Dr. Tom, got any upcoming appearances you got to, to announce?
0: Oh, you know what? Uh, I do, I do, I do, and... Um... I sure wish I had it in front of me. I'm so sorry because uh, I, before I was on the phone with you tonight, I was talking to some of my guys who actually had a uh, bad uh, bad day. Uh, they they did some TV and uh, one of our guys got in a wreck uh, with a semi tractor truck. And oh, uh, so I didn't have anything in front of me, but I got it in front of me now. So I have a I have a seminar coming up in Jeffersonville. Indiana. Uh, that is March 7th um, with IWA in Rotten. And uh, as I said, the camp, fantasy camp, is the 22nd of February. Also, I'll be in Raleigh, Mississippi uh, for a seminar on March 13th. And then the 14th, I'm going to be a special referee. Uh, in Raleigh, Mississippi, with Al Snow facing, I'm not sure his opponent. But I'm going to be there to make sure that uh, uh, there's no shenanigans. So, yeah, that's, that's what I have right now. And as we go farther, um, I'll have more stuff for you, obviously. Gastonia, real quick. I'm looking at this, April 11th, Gastonia, North Carolina. I will be teaming with the legend himself. George, Mr. Number One South, against now listen to this. Hall of Famer Ricky Morton and his son Kerry Morton. So Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, April 11th. Uh, I'm going to lace up the boots one more time. We just talked about not wanting to wrestle anymore, but against I couldn't I couldn't uh, resist taking on uh, Ricky and Kerry Morton and uh, teaming with George South. So that should be a lot of fun. Ooh, that is awesome.
1: Looking yeah. forward to that. That's great.
0: Yeah, right. very, very cool. Well,
1: this has been a great episode. That is, that is something awesome look forward to. The Fantasy Camp is something awesome to look forward to. And something else is each and every week here. Looking forward to joining us for taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard. We will see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading.